uh, remember we we uh, we uh, we said yesterday that we we started together and we want to end together. So we thought this would be actually a good way to do that. Okay. So I'm going to uh, let uh, Sumner kind of moderate the panel. Um, we uh, and and we'll and we'll figure out how how to do it. But but we'll we'll just ask the questions and then we'll we'll see how we'll see how it goes. We 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 feel there's collective wisdom in the room, so we'll uh, we'll we'll go with that. So all right, Sumner. I'd love for a lot of this stuff, um, I'd love for all three of y'all to comment. And if there's something that's more specific to one of you, I'll kind of direct it to you. We'll start, um, we'll start with baby steps and we'll get to the hard stuff later. Uh, but um, as a teacher, what's been a moment where a child has taught you something? Here you go, Laura, you start. Yeah, you start it. Um, oh gosh, okay, where a child taught me something. While I was teaching, is that what it said? As a teacher. Okay, well, I feel like, well, I'll say kids teach me a lot of things. Um, one of the things I shared was I think that children really teach you how to welcome people into the church. And we were talking about belonging. And so I have the privilege of working with all these little kids. So when I walk into the church, they're like, Miss Laura! You know, they run up and hug me and welcome me and greet me. And even when I'm having a bad day or grumpy or probably have barked at my children on the way into the building, they just greet me with open arms. And I think it's a really um, good way of seeing how we all belong to the body of Christ and we should all receive each other that way. And they really don't probably see that I'm an adult. You know, they probably are like, oh, it's my friend, Miss Laura, you know. Um, and so that's one thing they've taught me. And the other thing I would say is, um, they also correct me when I'm wrong, and I'm open to that. So, like, one of the things I was, like, telling about talking about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, not really correcting me, but just, like, being willing to listen to them and let them enter into teaching time as I was telling the story, and I was just kind of telling it, and this friend, you know him, he's amazing, sweet Reese. He's so smart, and Reese was like, um, you left out a part, and I was like, oh, did what? And he was like, he was led by the Spirit. <laughs> I was like, and indeed he was. Thank you, Reese. But, you know, like, and so, but what Reese has taught me is that Reese knows a lot about the Bible, and he probably in all, he probably will know way more about me about the Bible than I ever will because he's so smart. But now it's, like, opened my eyes, like, okay, I need to let Reese engage in the story more and, like, let him help me while we're learning because he's really good at that. So, I mean, those are two things. He calls me out a lot. Reese is the kid who used to hide, yeah, and you didn't know where he was. It was great. I'll just share a story that I shared upstairs already that some of you have heard, but um, it was one of our missionaries that came to visit Covenant and said, uh, I want to be with the children, and I want the children praying for me because the prayers of the children are powerful. And it was this reminder to me of, and sweet Hal said the sweetest prayer that night, and so, um, who was in kindergarten. And so listening to the prayers of the children and asking them to pray is a way that they teach me. I'll tell you two things. Mine has to do with the humility or the humbling. Maybe uh, when I was a pastor and I was regularly preaching, I would have a children's sermon. And so what I did with the children's sermon is I would take sort of the theme of the sermon and present it. And, you know, I would come in there and I'd do all my prep and I'd have them all lined up there and I'd think, hey, I'm going to convey this. And they're, and so you're sitting there talking and then little Johnny says, you know what my dog did? <laughs> And what I learned, little Johnny's not tracking with me like I thought little Johnny was. And then it, it 
dawned on me that, you know, little Johnny's parents are probably not tracking with me when I'm preaching like I thought they were. So that was very humbling. And the other thing is, uh, I can't remember, this has happened both with children and adults, is I fall into what my wife calls the professor, you know, the professor mode. And I tend to use uh, language. And it's like, I don't know what that word means. And I, it just sort of stops you because I didn't think about how do I, I had this information I want to convey as I wanted to convey it. And I need to be thinking more about conveying the information in a way that they can receive it. And so that was very humbling. Um, I think it's, we'd probably all agree that um, if the spirit is at work in your heart, that there will be fruit of God's spirit. Um, and that sometimes will look like showing up at a weekend like this or being present at Wednesday night or volunteering with m and uh, But sometimes you show up and you're present and you're not doing well. And so you may have your Bible, you may have your journal, you may be here at every time the church doors are open, but you're actually really struggling. So can you talk a little bit about how when discipleship uh, needs to extend just beyond um, maybe it looks like things are going really well, but they're actually not, um, and how sometimes we can miss the forest for the trees. If I, if I understood everything uh, correctly, I, I think that happens all the time, and people are up and down with it. I think this is the great value of small groups, and particularly like a one-on-one. And it, it takes, um, as a leader, you have to be willing to ask the question, where are you struggling, in creating an environment where a person can be transparent and vulnerable. This is part of the, the relationship aspect of the word and relationship. And you might be in a, say you're doing a breakfast meeting, and you have this agenda coming in as the teacher, is you're going to cover these things. But you have to be sensitive to the person, what, what are they going through. And I think small groups is where the person who is going through the struggle is able to say, you know, I'm faking it. And that's where, to go back to what we covered in our first session with adults, is that's where you have to remind them where their identity is and where their justification is. It's based on what Christ has done. So um, how do you work through that? Um, as a disciple maker, you're creating an environment where a person can be honest if you are the person going through that, find somebody because Satan wants you to hide it. And part of the beauty of the community of Christ and the community of saints is where we can say, I'm, I'm faking it. And the Holy Spirit will use the other person to say, let's remember, our, let's remember Christ and what he's done for us. I think what I would add to that is something that the children have taught me, and that's that it's okay to show up and not be okay. <laughs> um, it's okay to walk in and just show up. And um, and so, I mean, I had a Wednesday night recently when I showed up for Wednesday night supper, and I took it somewhere and ate it by myself because I was like, I need a minute, and that's okay. And people knew that I was okay but they knew I wasn't smothered. I guess that's what I'm saying. It's okay to be honest, but then it's also to know each other well enough to think, okay, she needs a moment, and I can give her that.
Um, I would say, well, y'all kind of both answered that. Um, I mean, I've also probably shown up to church frustrated and not okay and then be like, and now I'm going to go teach all these kids. Um, and so I would say being, but to also be able to lead with vulnerability um, and as people who are discipling people and leading and like, we all are not okay sometimes. We all have yelled at our kids sometimes. We've all failed and not done the things we should do. And to be able to be honest about our own failings and shortcomings to create a culture that says we are all needy and all equal at the foot of the cross, um, I think really does help people um, who you're discipling, especially your children in your home, to see, like, I need Jesus just as much as you, really creates a culture of being able to admit when you're not okay. Otherwise, you just kind of think you can keep, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I mean, that's what I would try to do is to be like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it till you can't. So I would definitely say, you know, be honest. Let me add one thing. If you've taught long enough, and I know as I preach, sometimes you go into the, I hit it out of the park. You know, let's be honest. We do that, don't we? I've had situations where the Lord in his mercy, somebody would talk to me afterwards, and I'm thinking, wow, they're going to tell me how great a job I did. Now, of course, I don't say that out loud, but I think it up here. And then they say something, and they completely misunderstood completely it's like no that's heresy don't do don't believe that um but there are other times where i feel like a total failure and then somebody says let me tell you how god used your talk and i don't even remember saying what they said i said look you can you do we are called to prepare but it's the spirit don't ever forget that and just kind of to add that I think I heard uh, all three of you say in different contexts that part of discipleship is also listening and not just as much teaching. And so um, if we're just focused on teaching, then it's hard to know if people really are unwell. Um, so I think that we would probably all agree that discipleship's not uh, binary um, or static, like it's either a yes or no or a switch that's on or off, but it's pretty dynamic and it changes with different seasons. Laura, you were talking about building belonging, and Katie, you were talking about kind of investing in the covenant family. Can y'all comment about one of the things that we, or maybe the only thing we all have in common in here is that we are actually all children. Some people here don't have children. Some people are here as grandparents, but we, we, we are all children. Talk a little bit about adult children and their parents and kind of that it becomes a parent-child, but then kind of two adults and how discipleship made some of the things that y'all have all talked about how it applies to adult children in the church well i'm i'm going to start with what we cover in parenting conference we have a slide in our the parenting conference that katie and i do and it has a vertical line that says control and a horizontal line that says time and what it does is when the child is born they have very little control but then over time the control increases. Parents, you start with all control, and over time you go down. And then somebody told me the four seasons of parenting are caregiver, cop, coach, and consultant. And where you make those transitions is different for every child. What we like to do is, oh, okay, well, and by cop, it's like we make the rules, and now you're trying to keep the kid following the rules. But I'm now in the 
consultant stage. And the hard part about that, and my wife is so much better than I am at this, she can watch and be okay with just watching. Because what you want to do, and maybe it's a male thing, I want to fix. And I have to let them go through the struggles because that's how they get stronger. Was part of that question also about, like, my relationship with my parents? Yeah. Okay. Do, but, so, mm -hmm. yeah. Both ends. Both ends. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, my mom's <laughs> at my house right now. Um, and I'm so thankful. So, I think that it is um, humbling just to walk through life together and to know that, yes, I am first a child and a child of God. Um, and that, um, as you parenting, you are, um, learning from your own parents and the things that they did well and the things that they did not and being able to receive from them and say, thank you. And, um, yeah, I think I'll stop there. Um, okay. So. I don't know, this may be off topic. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to talk to people in my seminar. I'll be like, yeah, she's crazy. Okay, so um, I will say this. I have always sort of thought of, like, I've learned a lot from parents. I love my parents. Um, I got tickled because my mom, we did the Revelation Bible study, and my mom came to it. Um, I grew up Baptist. My parents, Baptist, whatever. So we have lots of good conversations. Um, and so that's great, and I love talking about that stuff. And when she came to the Revelation study, we had lots of good conversation because just the way she had, thought of that and then we were learning it together so it was really fun but the one thing that I sort of have been thinking about as the older I get with my parents and then having my children in the church is that we are all maturing in Christ and I just keep landing back on our ultimate goal for all of us is that one day we are all going to be conformed in the image of likeness of Christ and so as your parents have gone before you and maybe you didn't grow up with believing parents but what are you? You have a heavenly father, right? And that we're all in this beautiful, wild, as the little quote I read from Susan Hunt or whatever, that we're all children, right? And we're all in this together in this um, church body, like universal in y'all's local church context. And just knowing that we're all maturing and we're all growing and it looks different for all of us. And we're all going to get there in the end by the power of the spirit inside of us but that maturing is just going to look different for all of us and so um you know i don't know if that's helpful or not but just thinking about that um and to show that grace to my children and all the mistakes that i'm making as you know we parent them and trusting that the work of the spirit in them is the one that's conforming into the likeness of christ not me i'm not i can't only the work of the spirit and so you know, God gave me my parents to do that, and like, you know, we're, we're walking through stuff with them, like, Katie, I know our parents are getting older too now, so just, I don't know, that was, might not be helpful, but. It was good. <laughs> um, so combining a couple questions into uh, one, and going back off of something that was shown last night, there was a slide that talked about kind of like what CDM is up to and that there's 16 women throughout the country that are devoted to women's ministry and on the same slide there were five men <coughs> devoted to men's ministry and I think that our church is very fortunate to have a robust women's ministry that's dynamic and is very involved it's a highlight of our church such a gift Way to go, Anna. and um, 
the men's ministry, probably, I think it's fair to say, could have some room for improvement. And I think that the, um, but I don't know that that is like unique per se. Oh, no. But there, <laughs> but there is this, um, I think that, the, that y'all are doing a great job and our church is doing a great job of training and equipping um, female spiritual leaders and teachers. Um, and I think that the default may be to say that, uh, and, I'm, and, and I hate to be this, uh, this is not intended to be sexist at all, but that, that men are too busy or, you know, we try to do this stuff and it's not as engaging. But what have y'all learned in your travels at other churches about um, maybe how that could be an opportunity for growth um, and how us men can catch up to the women? All right, y'all got anything? Yeah, we'll start. All right. All right. So, <laughs> now I'm going to reserve most of this for Stephen, but I will just say, I mean, men do have a lot of pressures and we appreciate them, but the children in our churches need the men as much as the women. And so I'm just going to put that out there. Um, and so Stephen will tell you more about his dreams for men's ministry and they're great. And so just support the work and um, yeah, thanks men. Um, I will say one of the things that I have um, praised God for um, continually is that we have a lot of men that teach children's Sunday school at our church. A lot of men. Um, a lot of men. And I, and sometimes men teach honestly with not their wives, like it's a, a man and a woman will teach, um, which I think some people, I've had conversations with people, and they're like, oh, really? That's awkward. I'm like, it's not awkward. I mean, it hasn't been awkward for us. Um, and I am so thankful for those men. And the people that were in my group just heard me brag about Mr. Bernie, who's taught fourth and fifth grade Sunday school for 30 years at our church, faithfully every single year. And then there's a husband and wife named Jim and Cappy, and they're coming behind them, and they want to be the next Bernie. And so, um, because Bernie has modeled what it means to invest in children. And saying that, I know that we're talking about men's discipleship overall, but I do think that just like, that aspect shows me such growth in the men in our church that they want to be there on a Sunday morning investing in those little friends. And um, they really take ownership of that, and they are amazing teachers. And it's been such a gift at our church. I mean, like, there's a man named Zach Eves who's been teaching 3K Sunday school, and he did it one semester, and he was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm in for the whole year. And, I mean, he prepares. He goes outside of the box to teach them and um anyway I just just to encourage y'all like not to be a plug for teaching kids Sunday school but it's been really beautiful to see the men in that way and her husband spends time with the college students okay. minds on the yeah, like we, we find ways to encourage our husbands as well yeah, so yeah. well and that's one of the things that as men are thinking about all right I have this much of bandwidth and I want to use this I have to use this much to bring home the bacon have to use, I want to use this much. Many times it is service. Uh, one of the things we're doing denominationally, since I've been coordinator, I became coordinator in 2013, I was chairman of the CEP committee, so I was involved in the ministry since 2006. What I've seen in that, in that time is, the way I put it is, with regards to men's ministry in the PCA, every man does what is right in his own eyes. And that's what we see across the denomination. And so some churches, and this is where I've really struggled, we, we formed a team. We had, uh, all of our teams, I target 8 to 10. Now, I inherited the team of 16 for women. So 8 to 10 is our target, and we try to keep it rotating. Um, 
we started out with eight, and we dwindled down to five. And part of that was guys just went from men's ministry to, like one guy went from men's ministry to pastoral care. And so part of our stipulation to be on the team is you have to be actively involved in the ministry before you can be on our team. So that was the case. But what also I've seen in the PCA is some of our churches, and this is both, this is good, but it's also got a drawback. Um, they look at what's needed. And so some of our churches have, like, say the men are struggling with pornography. And so they have a, almost like a support group focusing on pornography. And that is their men's ministry. And so they're bringing the word and relationship and accountability, but it's focused in that one area. What we want to do is uh, that word and relationship. How does word and relationship work out among the men in the, in the local church? Another problem is that some churches try to take the model that they use for women and just impose it on the men. And that's not necessarily the best way to go. Uh, men, I'm going to be saying, men are not as relational as women are. Now, we need relationships. But I've learned this. Women will naturally sort of gather together and sometimes talk about their emotions and feelings Men, we gather together and we talk about sports, usually. And so it's just a different dynamic. But how do we, and so as I'm working with, and we had this team working with, how do we get men to say, build the relationships, but then go deeper? And it's, it's just taking time. We've tried some things. Uh, I've told the staff, one of my great grief over the last couple of years is we, we had something going, and then it just sort of fizzled. And so now I'm praying, Lord, what do you want? To, and I'm waiting for God to work and bubble it up. So um, I'm hopeful because I really think word and relationship, men need that just as much as women do. But we've still got to train guys in the PCA. It had been men's ministry was officer training. Oh, that grates on me. Because then the mentality is, well, we got our men's ministry and they start out and then we get them as deacons and then we graduate them up to elder. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not what it's about. Um, men, you can be a godly man and never be called to be a deacon or an elder. But you can be the best leader, spiritual leader in the life of the church working in children's ministry. I would also say this. A spiritually mature man is known for caring for children. I love a story I learned from Sue Jakes. She would have guys come up and say, you know, um, I, just, I just don't, I don't feel like I, I can do children's ministry. I, I, just, I just don't have the heart for it. And I was, so what should I do? Her response Repent. <laughs> Repent and believe the gospel. And the gospel says that you will embrace children as Jesus embraced children. And so, men, I think that's what we need as we're leaders. How do we embrace the children of the church? Got on my soapbox there. No, 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 no. <laughs> we probably could spend the whole hour talking about that. Um, 
we have an abundance of resources within the uh, denomination and the church at large with um, catechisms. Um, and obviously, when you, uh, if our hearts are going to be changed, it is through scripture. And so scripture, memory, and the catechesis of ourselves and kids is important. Um, what are some, uh, I often, and, I'm, and hopefully other people, feel overwhelmed of like, where do I start and how do I start? So uh, in y'all's experience, what are some practical ways to start scripture memory and catechism, uh, not only just for young kids, maybe like what age should you start, um, but then also for adults who maybe never went through that process and that it's important for adults to be catechized just like our kids. You want to start? Sure. Um, I actually think that children today need the why of our catechisms just as much as they need to understand the words um, and what they are. Um, So... I think that catechizing is wonderful and beautiful and shares, I mean, the things that as the words come out during suffering and hard times, it's just beautiful how it anchors you. Um, But children today will want to know the why. What are the scripture references behind it? What are the, um, so just, I guess what I'm saying is be prepared to do more Um, because it's, it's, um, it's not enough to just, catechize um and check it off and give them a prize um and then I think that also tying things together so I mean this is the silly example I used upstairs but can you do it over ice cream and can you tie to the scripture that your whole church is learning if you do hold scripture memory at church and let that be what the children are learning even if it's just a portion of it so I'm saying things that Laura and I would probably be echoing together, but do you have anything to add to that? um, So scripture memory, I love scripture memory, and I really am thankful that at our church, which y'all may do this too, that um, we have like scripture memory for the whole church body that they put, that Robbie has put out, started doing. And so we memorize those with the kids. And it is amazing to me. Like I've been so encouraged listening to them memorize that the scripture because Robbie picks really long passages. <laughs> I'm always like, what's up, man? No adult's going to. So we do a lot of motions. So that's what I was going to say. Scripture memory with kids. Use your whole body. Adults, use your whole body. I had um, our church administrator person, I would put out videos to go with the scripture. And she, um, Kim was doing them. She was like, thank you for those motions. She was like, I memorized the verse because I did the motions. So use your body to remember things with kids. Um, That goes a long way. Songs help. Find songs. These are practical things. Um, But the catechizing thing, like sort of like what you were saying, just building that into your everyday language, like even just saying to the kids, like, I mean, I think I say it all the time. I'm like, do we learn how, and this is there's a real kind of question, where do you learn to love and obey God in the Bible alone? That is the question and answer. But I will say to them all the time, do you learn how to love and obey God on YouTube? Do you learn how to love and obey God? You know, like, and then they'll say no, and I'm like, where? And they'll say, in the Bible alone, and I'm like, right. You know, just, like, using those things as a language to constantly be talking to them and using that language all the time when you are walking and when you're talking and when you're riding in the car and just building that into your conversation, I think helps them start to see the why is what Katie was saying. Um, and you can just start doing that when they're so little, just using the language with them. And just so but that means you yourself as an adult have to know it. So <laughs> well, a couple more resources out of Birmingham. It's called the Corner Room. They're putting scripture to music and uh, that's very good. 
Randall Goodgame. Katie and I have been in a conversation with Randall Goodgame. Some of y'all know Slugs and Bugs. He's actually putting together a new hymnal that's based on singing scripture. And so, and trying to put it, and the whole point is learning scripture, both parents and children. Uh, I have a confession to make. I, I have the Road Talk books, but they're in my car in Atlanta. So I forgot to make the transfer from my car to the rental car. But there's a book that's uh, John Quasney, who's at Pear Orchard down near Jackson. He's put together a little flip book. Oh, you have one. And did you show it to the group? It's called Road Talk and Mealtime is, is the new one. He's got two volumes of Road Talk. But what it is is a scripture verse and then discussion questions. And you can begin to talk with children about what do they do. And it will also provide a way to memorize. Uh, that's scripture, but it's focused on scripture. And how do you begin to discuss it together? And then for catechism, Great Commission Publications has two. This is digging deeper. Um, this is the catechism. This is an interactive PDF. I think it's $2.50. They have one for first catechism and then one for shorter catechism. This is, and this is just helps you. I won't go through all of it, but you can go to specific questions. But one page will be the question, and you flip it, and you go to the next question. But it helps you try to memorize the catechism with that and then I think it has the scripture citations I have to double check that but um, that's so that's how Great Commission Publications which is owned by the PCA and the OPC as that's Great Commission Publications um, publicly do you have anything you want to share about that well, I actually kind of do, and it ties into the men's ministry question. So my husband is using this with my daughter. He grew up Catholic, um, but is a believer and a leader in our church. But So I'm telling you this because they use this some days. Some days they don't. And he just talks about what they're doing in PE. So, again, it's the relationship and the word and putting them together. And he's like, Katie, some of these are really hard. Like, I got to study this to be able to answer it. So I'm saying that because another reason for men's ministry, a lot of these men might not have grown up in the church, and this might be too hard. And so ways to equip parents with, um, you know, it, it all goes together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we'll do one more real quick, um, and then if there's any other comments or questions from the group, let's do it. But um, obviously, we just saw that technology is a great resource, um, and there's ways that technology has certainly enhanced discipleship. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how some of the, uh, how technology does create some barriers to vulnerability and intimacy and how y'all have learned uh, in your expertise how to combat that at the church level? Expertise. Not, <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> that, that sounds like a children's ministry question. I mean, yeah, it's, I think just f fighting for a relationship without devices whenever you can. Um, and modeling that for the children, um, but also knowing that it's a great tool that we need. That's the very short answer. Uh, there was an article that um, my dad shared with me years ago, and it was a Dear Abby, you know, one of the columns, and it was like somebody had written into the newspaper and said, um, uh, 
there was somebody, a mom on the playground who was on her phone the whole time her child was playing. And I just can't believe that parents these days, da, 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 da. And then there was an answer to it. And it was the mom. And it was like, dear sir, I had spent all day with my daughter. And I had twirled with her. And we had had such a good time. And I was looking up a recipe for dinner. I mean, you know, like, it's it's the both and. Um, and then th- another little thing is for um, public school went to um, a PTO meeting that everybody went to because it was – uh, the one where they were going to say what age your child should have a phone. <laughs> Y'all, everybody came. We were like, oh, yeah, they're going to tell us. The technology specialist at the school said, um, it was maybe it was when your child should have social media. Sorry, it was when your child should have social media. She pulled up the rights the you know that you check off of when you download an app on the phone, and she said, well, this says that this was when my children were in elementary school. She said, it says that your child should be 13 years old. None of your children are 13 years old the end that was it it was a mic drop it was like oh right we're actually signing off that our children should be 13 to use this so we shouldn't be talking about this at the elementary level so I also think like the rules of the land mean something too so what would you add um I do think that um social media and phones are making it hard for our children to know how to relate to each other um and so, I mean, I do think there is some wisdom there, right? Like our goal is that our children would be wise, that they would fear the Lord and walk in wisdom. And so just for each family, it is different. I, I, I think, too, what I keep thinking about with all the social media stuff and all the stuff they're exposed to, um, and probably because I just read this parable, but about the weeds and the um, seed that God planted growing up together, um, is that we do live in a broken world together. And they are going to rub up against with people that are going to have phones and technology that aren't going to believe the same things as we believe or we would want our children to believe. And so I think there is an element of not fearing the technology, but training our children how to live as wise and bright lights in a world that is fallen and broken. And so um, to think about the ways in which we can empower them to know what is bad and I should flee from when I see it. And, and to put those protections in to help them, but also like creating that safe place for them to always come back to that they did see something or they are questioning something or they have done something. Um, what I would like to say, like I was laughing with my group that I have a 16 year old and I mean, we would have knockdown, down drag out conversations about him wanting Instagram and Instagram and Instagram and Instagram and Instagram and Instagram. And I would not listen to him. I would shut it down. We would have a fight. It was the end. I'm obviously not the expert on this. Okay, so um, we would have these conversations, but just, um, but I wasn't ever listening to the heart behind why he wanted it, right? Going back to that element of like discipleship, I wasn't listening to him. And what he was saying is, I'm not, my friends aren't texting me anymore. No one's contacting me anymore because they all talk through these apps and da da da. And I was like, no, 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 no. And so, you know, like we had to wrestle through that. And he's 16 and he does have a social media app now, one, and he does use it or whatever. But, you know, it just was like me also, us, and my husband wrestling through, like, what is the wise thing to do for him? What's the right thing to do? How do we train him to use those things? So I don't know. That's probably not helpful, but, like, it is here, and it is something we're all going to have to deal with. And, again, if our ultimate goal is for our children to become more Christ-like, then even in those things that where they're growing up amongst weeds of things that are going to rub up against them, we have to teach them how to, to handle those with wisdom. And it, it just it takes parenting. Wow. <laughs> And discipling. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that was helpful. 
Well, and I'm going to talk to older, my youngest is now 22 years old. And so social media has been an, an interesting way for us to have conversations. And even with my boys who are, are sort of walking away from the church. And, um, but when I ask questions and express a desire to learn and look to them, it actually has built our relationship and has provided opportunities for me to talk about, okay, tell me what this is and why do you like it? And, and then you're able to get more at the heart issues as you're drilling down. Uh, the other thing that I've learned, I'm not always good at this, if you want your children to practice self-control on social media, you have to practice self-control in social media. And that includes not only using social media, but also how you converse on social media. Another thing I've used as a pastor is, uh, you know how parents do parent brags? And so sometimes I use, is Siri wanting to answer something? Okay, good. <laughs> um, but uh, it's I've used that to develop conversations because a parent will put something up and then as a pastor I'll see that person at church and that becomes a part of well, hey I saw this and and if their child is there I can hey how did it go I saw your dad posted this tell me how you and so it you know my daughter's like dad that's close to creepy <laughs> so uh, you got to watch for the creep factor I realize now at my age anything I do is creepy so uh, that's you just have to worry worry about that awesome well uh keep us on time um i'll pray uh for our speakers and then hand it over to melvin for any parting announcements uh and thank you all so much for thank your time you. yeah um lord uh, we know in your word that you hem us in from behind and before um, and you knew that at a particular time uh today in a particular place at christ prez uh that you would bring cdm uh to teach us and equip us uh to enhance our discipleship uh, in your name. Uh, and we pray uh, that you uh, would make uh, the things that we've learned today, that they would change the way uh, that we think about um, discipleship, the way that we listen to other people, uh, the way that we interact with friends. Lord, we ask that there would be a new flavor of vulnerability um, as we interact with uh, those that we go to church with and those we welcome into our church. Um, and Lord, I pray particularly for uh, Katie and Laura and Stephen, uh, that, uh, that your work through them uh, would be fruitful, uh, and, that, and that the other churches that they go to, uh, that you bless their efforts, uh, and that we would all be more like your son, Jesus, uh, who covers us up uh, in the midst of all of our shame and all the things uh, that we uh, shouldn't be proud of that we are, and the things uh, that we're not proud of, and to help us uh, to go um, as his disciples uh, today uh, as changed people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.